0: so thankful for what God is doing in this church in people's lives in this city it's exciting I love hearing the kids upstairs running and having a good time and uh, I'm excited for what God is going to continue to do well I am not preaching today um, but I have a really good friend and I think you're going to like I hope I mean well if you don't that's okay Um, (laughs) We have a really good relationship. Um, Last, a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, Jason Brooks come. He was a pastor in Fergus Falls, and um, he came up and he preached, and um, he serves on the, he's the youth president, Um, he serves on the youth committee, he's also one of our church's board members, Um, and then this guy, uh, John Brom is his name, Uh, he's an assistant pastor in Mankato, and uh, he also serves on the youth committee. Um, and he is the secretary, so he's got to be somewhat good with money. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> he's in charge of it. <laughs> um, and then, I, I haven't said this, but um, the other, we have one other board member. So those are two of them. The other one is, is Jim Jensen. Jim, give a big old wave. Yay! So he's our... He, he helps me go look at buildings and things like that. And so it's really, he's really helpful in like helping me... Uh, look at buildings and he knows people. He knows like everyone. Yeah. Um, And so it's very helpful. So that's who the board is. And so you're coming up here very soon in February. We'll have a a church business meeting and there's some things that we have to take care of that is boring and not fun. And so I won't bore you about it, but it's something that has to be done to be um, a church. And so we'll do those things. It's a necessary thing and it's a good thing, but we'll do those uh, later in February. But I want to, John is, uh, you know what, if you watch the youth uh, convention video back on Facebook and back in October. This is the guy that was on the screen with me when we were doing the thing back and forth. John, <laughs> come on up here. <laughs> this is the guy. He's, he is definitely a, a very good friend of mine. Um, he's a, he's a great preacher. He's an international speaker. He's preached in Canada before. One time. <laughs> Didn't they cancel?
1: No, I did. I did. Oh,
0: Okay. <laughs> So um, he's, he's, he's a great guy. I enjoy having him with us uh, this week. And so uh, get behind him, amen him when he's preaching, as long as it's good. If it's not good, just tell him, shh. <laughs> we've been, but we've been on a series, This is the Church. And so last week, we talked about connecting, and we talked about how we need to connect with God, and then how we, we should be connecting with others in our community and showing others that connection. So after connecting with God, making that contact with him, that was contact Uh, was the word. This week, it is change. And so John is going to be talking about change in our lives and and, and how we can help other people see their lives change. So I hope that's what you're preaching about.
1: (laughs) Amen. Thank you, Pastor Zach. You guys love Pastor and Sister Rochelle. Give them a big hand. They are amazing. Him and I, Zach and I do go back a little ways here. I've known him for a handful of years, and he is a good friend of mine, one of my best friends. And so I do want to take a moment and honor him and Rochelle. They are doing an amazing work here. And not just them, this church is doing amazing work in Detroit Lakes. So I honor him and also you guys and Sister Ashley doing a great job as well. Thank you all for doing so much work for the church here. Amen. Are you ready for the preaching of the word of God today? Yes. Amen. So I'm going to start off here with a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I believe some of these will be in your pamphlet this morning. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. So everyone say, new creature. New creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. And I want to I go to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. It says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Everyone say, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children. And to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And so with the help of the Lord, I want to preach on this topic about this is the church. You are the church. And the thing I want to really focus on is that when you get in contact with Jesus, change happens. And so I'm going to say, I'm going to apologize in advance. I get incredibly excited when I preach. So... (laughs) I, I've watched a handful of Pastor Zach's sermons here, so I, he gets a little crazy too. So if I start going, every, just just go with me and, and preach with me. Is that all right? Yeah. Amen. So we're going to talk about change today. We're going to talk about, we'll start with a character named Peter. Uh, so before we get going, his name was originally called Simon and then changed to Peter. He was from Bethsaida, which you can find in John chapter 144. He was partners with James and John in the fishing business. They were just fishers. That's all Peter was. He was a businessman who was fishing. And so next thing you know, Jesus walks on. He calls him to preach the gospel. He calls him to preach this wonderful gospel. And change happened. His career changed. His focus changed. Everything changed when Jesus came into the scene. He was introduced to Jesus through his brother Andrew who had heard about Jesus from John the Baptist. And uh, you see, Simon's name was changed to Cephas, which is Peter in the Greek. And uh, his name, Peter's name literally means rock. His name, when it was changed, was literally means rock. He receives his official calling by God to to, to drop his nets of fish and to follow Jesus and preach this gospel. You see, one thing I like about Peter, he was a wonderful man of God. And now one thing I will say is that when it comes to Scripture, these stories are not just like made-believe stories that make us feel good. This truly happened. How many of you guys know the Word of God is true? Amen? Every single word is true in the Bible. And so when we we study a, a, a person like Peter... We can take these values, we can take these things from the Bible and apply them to our life. And so you see, Peter was a wonderful man of God. He was a great example of how he left everything he had, his income, everything around him, to follow Jesus. Now, I would, you know, here in 2021, if God said, hey, I want you to become fishers of men, drop your business, drop your income, it would be a hard thing to do. But you see, Peter literally did that. Peter said, okay, not my will, but God's will be accomplished. Not what I want, but what God wants. And so we go through his story. He did did so many good things. Peter, if you go through his whole story, there's so many things that uh, that are so good that he did. You see, it was Peter who walked out of the boat in the middle of the storm and walked on water. It was Peter who had the faith in that moment, in that storm, who said, Okay, God, I'll take this step onto the sea. I'll take this step right now, and I'll, I'll follow after you. So it was Peter who had faith to walk on water. Right? It was Peter who did that. You see, uh, it was also Peter who took Jesus aside to rebuke him for speaking of his death when when the Lord was prophesying about his death. And, and it, was, it was Peter who actually did that. And next thing you know, God, he, he promptly corrects Peter and says, OK, this is the plan of salvation for every single person. You see, it was, it was Peter who also uh, suggested putting up three tabernacles in honor of Moses and Elijah and Jesus You see, it was Peter who had the idea to put three tabernacles up instead of just worshiping God. It was Peter who said, I want to put a tabernacle of Elijah, Moses Moses, and Jesus. Jesus promptly rebukes him and he falls to the ground in fear for that. You see, even though Peter had a lot of faith, even though Peter had so much things around that were going for him, he still made mistakes. I'm going to ask a really simple question. Who here has ever made a mistake? All right. All right. I won't call the back road. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I promise you. You see, it was also Peter who literally cut off the ear of the high priest who had so much anger in his life. He had so much anger, but he was still called by God to lead the church. You see, Peter was still a great man to God, but he had some faults. And I know in this room, we just, you just showed me here, but you just showed me that we all have faults, right? But when Jesus steps into your life, change can take place. Life-changing, life-altering power can come into your life when you take upon the call of Jesus in your life. You see, it was also Peter who, who boasted about saying how he would never deny Jesus. Peter said, I will never deny you, God. I know you call me. I've, I've walked with you. I've seen miracles. But God, I promise you this. I will never deny you. And of course, it was Peter who denies Christ not one time not two times, but he denied Christ three times. You see, Peter was a great man of God, but yet he still made mistakes. And so what I want to encourage us this morning, this afternoon, I'm going to say this morning all day, I promise you, I apologize. (laughs) But what, what I feel so led in my spirit today is that we are imperfect people, That God is getting ready to use us as we are. Because God made a plan for you to be here today. God made a plan for where you are right now. And the one thing I'll say quickly, I feel in my spirit strongly. If you've been just being beaten down by the enemy for weeks, years, whatever it might be, the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. And I don't care what he says about you. You are made perfect in Christ. You are God's child. You are I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I feel anointing flowing in this place. And so I don't know what you are coming against today, but let me reassure you, you have made mistakes, but we serve a God that is greater. We serve a God that has grace for us. Sister Lori getting baptized in Jesus name. We thank God for that. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. But so it was Peter who took that initial step of faith, but yet he still failed many times. You realize that steps of faith aren't always done when times are good. When you take steps of faith in God, it's not because your life is perfect. It's not because everything is going right for you. It's not because you have enough money in your bank account. It doesn't doesn't have, no. Steps of faith are done every single day. And saying, not my will, but your will be accomplished. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Meaning we can we can order our steps not because of our vision, but because we have faith in God that he has a plan for us. You see, with all this negative about Peter that I just talked about, the denying Christ and all these things, it was still Peter who took that step of faith off the boat. It was still Peter who saw the miraculous take place in that storm. It was still Peter who was given the keys to the kingdom, the Bible says, in Matthew 16. It was still Peter who preached the apostolic message we just read, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. It was still Peter who did that. Peter literally saw Jews and Samaritans and Gentiles receive the Holy Ghost. It was still Peter who God used, even though he failed so many times. You keep on going in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 9. It says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We find here that Peter's weaknesses were very simple. Peter had an anger problem. Peter, he cut off the ear of the high priest. He was just ticked off. He was tired of it. You know, growing up, I did have, I wouldn't say a crazy anger problem. But I did deal with some anger problems, and I thank God he helped me with that. So I can relate to Peter in that situation there. Peter also had a lot of pride where he was talking about building tabernacles in honor of Elijah, Moses, and Jesus. He was trying to set up man-made things. So he had, he had his, his other weakness was pride, and also he did have lack of faith at times. Because it was also Peter who stepped off the boat, and then he looked at his surroundings all around him, and also he started sinking, right? And so I, I really wanted to highlight Peter right when I started here today. To make us understand that when we are weak, he is strong. When we are weak, but in our weakness, his strength is made perfect, the Bible says. And so I want to make sure just to start off today by letting you know that your past does not define your today. Your past, what happened last week, last year, two years ago, it does not define who you are today. Because there is a God that he says his grace is sufficient for you. His grace, and it don't matter where you've been, it don't matter what you've done. But let me just reassure someone today that what you did two years ago, if you have asked God for, uh, for forgiveness of sins, he will forgive you of your sins and you are a new creature in Christ. And someone shout amen for that. Amen. Our weaknesses do not define us. Our shortcomings do not dispel doom and disaster for our lives, but rather our weaknesses are an opportunity for God to showcase his strength. When we are weak, he can show us how strong he is. When we don't have much faith, he can show us how powerful he is. When we don't have the vision, he can give us the vision for our life. But we have to realize that we do have weaknesses. We do have weaknesses in our life. Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 says, "Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended to, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things that are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of, of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul right here is giving us a great illustration in life. Forgetting those things that are behind, you're a new person. Forgetting the things that are behind us, God saved you. He gave you grace. He gave you power. He gave you help. So forgetting those things behind and pressing. Everyone say pressing. Meaning you are moving towards a new direction, a new life, a new plan, a new vision, a new goal. Because I can tell you right now, I, I, I will share my testimony here in just a little bit. But I wanted to sh- just start with this and realize that we are not perfect. But when God steps into our life, when God steps into our family, lives can be changed. Marriages can be restored. Family can be brought back to Jesus. And I don't care what they, what, the, what the enemy has said about you. But let me just reassure you this morning that when Jesus is here, and I'm going to tell you, he is here right now. your life can be changed forever. It does not take an hour long prayer meeting, but in a moment, in a twinkling, in a second, when you call upon the name of Jesus, your life can be changed forever. Amen. I'm, I got to tone myself down. I apologize. I got to tone myself down. But so many people have so much, so much darkness, so much past in their life that they don't think God can use them. It's a lie. One second in the presence of God can change your entire life. One second in your entire life can change your marriage. One second with Jesus can change everything. Because when Jesus steps in, change takes place. You cannot be the same when Jesus walks into your life. There's only one person who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that's Jesus. Amen. There's only one person that's that way. I'm going to hit this light. I apologize. I move my hands too much. Pastor Zach, he preaches with that microphone right there. I'll be doing karate chops, like if if I don't have one hand held down by a microphone, that's uh, anyways. You guys are a great crowd to preach to. I appreciate you guys. But if we are to move forward with what God is calling us to do, we have got to forget those things that are behind us. And I know for a fact that God is dealing with some of you today. I know that for a fact that we must forget those things that are behind, like our failures, our sins. Our addictions, our fights, our depression, our anxiety, our fear, the things that are behind. We've all done it. We've all been afraid. We've all failed. We've all done things we don't. We're not proud of. We've all been there. I've been there. But let me just tell you, we must forget those things and press. We must not dwell in the past, but rather we must look at the future of our life and realize that today is a new day in Christ. That his grace is sufficient for me today. So I don't care what I did last year. I'm a new creature in Christ. I believe God can deliver those who are addicted. I believe God can save marriages. I believe God can restore the weak. I believe God can give strength. But we must realize that we are nothing without him we have got to realize that we are nothing without him. There are so many references in scripture where it talks about how we are the clay and Jesus is the potter. We are constantly being molded, perfected in the sight of the Lord. There's a portion of scripture in Jeremiah chapter 18 where it says, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as is potter, saith the Lord, behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in mine hand, O house of Israel. We are always trying to be molded. And in fact, I would say if we're not allowing ourselves to be molded, we're probably just dead inside. I'm only 30 years old. I'm a young man. But one thing I can tell you, I am always trying to push myself to get closer to Jesus. There are things that, you know, I'm the preacher here today, but my life is nowhere near perfect. And so I'm always trying to be molded by the potter, realizing that I do have things that I'm not proud of. The things that I got to work on. There are things that I just aren't working that well in my life. And God's always trying to mold me. He puts me on the potter's wheel. Now, I'm going to ask a very simple question here today. Have you ever broken a fine piece of china in your life? I'm talking the fine, like, plate or bowl or whatever. Now, I, I, I'm the youngest of three boys, my mom and dad had. And so I was the perfect child, obviously. <laughs> the youngest is always the perfect. But anyways, well, so with three boys, we got a little crazy at times. I was definitely a person who always antagonized my brothers as the younger brother. It's kind of my full-time job growing up. I didn't get paid for it, but I enjoyed it at least. But I know, I, I, can't, I can't remember the story specifically, but I was thinking about it. There was a time, I know we were wrestling, my, my, my middle brother and I, we were wrestling on the ground, and we just broke a nice piece of china, a nice per, piece of glass at our house. And my mom was very thrilled. She was really excited that I did that. She said, thank you. I'm like, oh, no problem. I'm kidding. She wasn't happy. And so I got thinking about, you know, when, when you break things that are a really nice china, a really nice piece of glass, it breaks, what do you do with it? you usually clean it up, throw it away. And so the other day, so I I should have told you my, I'll tell you now. So my wife, Crystal, she's upstairs doing Sunday school right now, I think. Um, So we have four children. They're seven and under. The five is seven. Oh man, I don't know how you do it, but I thought four was bad. Anyways. So we have four wonderful children. We love them to death, but uh, they like to help clean up at times for dinner time and stuff like that. And so they always try to grab our, our plates. And we made the mistake of using glass plates one day and Um, My oldest daughter, Olivia, she's seven. She grabbed the plate and she's walking with it and just slipped and the whole glass broke and It just breaks in just every area like you can't find the glass, right? It's just everywhere. And of course she was really upset because she scared her and all that stuff and we were thrilled She broke a glass plate too. So it was great. But my point is this what I did was I literally took a broom Swept it all up and threw it away. That's what I did and I got thinking about this analogy of a, how God doesn't do that to us. We fail time again and just, we, we fail all the time. But he's always not just picking us up off the ground and throwing us away saying, I'm done with you. I've given you grace so many, I've helped you so many times. There's actually a, a, a Chinese thing called kintsugi. Have you ever heard of this before? When a bowl or a teapot or a precious vase f- uh, f- falls and breaks into a thousand pieces, Typically, we just throw them away, and we, we, we're angry about it. But there's an, also an, an alternative idea. A Japanese practice that highlights and enhances the breaks is called kintsugi. This traditional Japanese art uses a precious metal, liquid gold, who literally, when, you, when, when the fine china breaks, you take it to these people, to the these ones who fix it, and they literally will use liquid gold to fix the cracks. It will literally make an imperfect vessel perfect again. But one thing, if you research it, I, was in the, I forgot to send you a picture, Zach. I apologize. But if you look at some of these examples online, it shows this fine china where it has this liquid gold through all the cracks. It's pieced back together. And it says, it's very true. It says that by the time it's done, when they get done with the whole process, the, the, what it's actually worth is actually way more than what it was originally because there's now gold running through the cracks. And I got thinking about this process. We are so thankful to God. That while we were yet sinners, the Bible says that he died for us. That when we fail, he doesn't just throw us away and say, oh, I've helped you enough. I've given you grace a million times. I can't do it one more time. He does not say that whatsoever. But the Bible is very clear. We are a vessel of God. We are a vessel. and We must be on all the time by the potter. And I'm just here to preach a very simple idea that when we are broken, he can take every piece of your life. He can take every piece of what you are fa- failing and things that are going wrong. And he can take all those pieces and make it into a vessel. But it won't be a perfect vessel by any means. There will be some To the vessel. There'll be some things that are chipped on the sides. And I'm telling you right now, that's because God loves us so much. He said, I made you the way you are. You have gone through what you have gone through because I've let you go through it. But God says, I'm not going to throw you away. No, no, no. I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to make you whole again. I'm going to put your life back together. That's the kind of God that we serve. He is not going to throw us away. He is not going to take this piece and say, I'm done with you. I'm done. As a philosophy, the entire thing, it treats the breakage and repair as part of the history of the peace. They embrace the peace where it has the cracks through it. it. Rather than them trying to hide the crack, rather than them trying to hide the imperfections, it highlights the imperfections. If that's not an illustration for our life, that God has made us the way he wants us to be made, And that God is doing a work in your life right now. So I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know many of your guys' story. But what I do know is this. The enemy is trying to confuse us right now. The enemy is going to try to sell us lie after lie after lie. That you're not good enough. You're not worthy. And I'm going to tell you right now. We're not good enough. And we're not worthy. But he he is seeing his grace. He is showing us grace. He is showing us mercy. When we are not worthy to do it. He's allowing us to talk with him. And talk, pray to him. And seek after him. He is allowing us to do that. The scars become what they exhibit. You see, with this technique of kintsuji, it's possible to create true and always different works of art, each with its own story and beauty, thanks to the the, the unique cracks formed when the object breaks, as if they were wounds that leave different marks on each of us. If I went around this room right now and I asked you, have you been hurt in the last year? I would venture to say a lot of us have been hurt in some way by people, by friends, by family, whatever it might be at some point. But let me just tell you, there's a God that we serve that never fails. He does not leave us. He he will never leave us or forsake us, the Bible says. He will never let us be alone. He'll he'll always be there for us. We must not put our faith in humans. We must put our faith in God. The Apostle Paul is someone who, uh, he he had quite the past, and I'm going to be wrapping up here relatively soon. I don't know. Pastor Zach preached a long time last week, so I feel like I could preach a long time today. Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. I just... The apostle Paul, actually, uh, Sister Granny over here told me I had two minutes, and I think my second minute's been gone for 10 minutes, so sorry, Sister Granny. Oh, man. got to have fun in church, Amen. The Apostle Paul is someone who had quite the past before he became one of the greatest missionaries and preachers to ever walk on planet Earth. For some two years after Pentecost, Christianity was quietly spreading its influence through Jerusalem. At length, Stephen, one of the seven deacons, he gave forth more public and aggressive testimony that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the Savior. And this led to a lot of excitement among the Jews and, the, and, and just a lot of turmoil in the synagogue, uh, not turmoil, and a lot of action happened in the synagogues. You see, persecution rose against Stephen and, and followers of Christ and, and in which Saul of Tarsus took a prominent part in this. You see, Saul of Tarsus was one of the people who was always uh, uh, trying to murder the Christians. He was trying to stop the influence of uh, Pentecost in the book of Acts. And it says that they were scattered abroad. They went everywhere preaching the word of God. And the anger of the persecutor was thereby kindled into a fiercer flame. Hearing that the fugitives had taken refuge in Damascus, he obtained from the chief priest letters authorizing Saul to proceed on persecuting those people who were preaching Jesus' name. You see, it was a long journey from where Saul was, about 130 miles roughly, according to what some of these uh, uh, things said, uh, told me about it, uh, which would occupy about six days of his time. He took about six days to travel all the way to Damascus. This is Saul of Tarsus. And he gets there. And so he he gets to that point. He finally gets there. And so he is breathing out threatenings and slaughtering. The Bible says Saul from Tarsus is making his way because he wants to stop the the gospel of Jesus Christ being spread. He is upset about this. And so you realize that by the time he gets to Damascus, he, had, he was ready to complete the mission. He was ready to start murdering more Christians and stopping the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he he arrives in Damascus in Acts chapter 9. I believe it's in your pamphlet there. It says in verses 3 through 6. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth. And he heard a voice unto him saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou art persecuting. Is it too hard for me to kick against the pricks? And he says, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what would thou have me do? And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the city and it shall be told thee what thou must do. You see, Saul at this point was literally going to accomplish death. He was literally going to persecute more Christians. He was going to this place to just finish the task that he was set there to do. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a light came from heaven. It just blinded him. And he has no idea what's happening. He's just on the road. And he, here he's talking to Jesus. Literally, he's talking to Jesus and he's hearing him. And, and Saul's like, what are you going to have me do, God? I don't, I, I don't know what's happening. I'm coming here to persecute all, you, all your followers. And God said, well, is it too hard for me to change your direction? Is it too hard for me to do this? And he said, I'm gonna, I'll tell you what. Go into this city. And in three days, he's still blinded. Saul couldn't see a thing. In three days, I'm going to give you your mission. In three days, you got to be blind. But I'll give you a new plan. So Saul loses his sight for three days. He got, uh, God gives Ananias a vision to go pray for Saul, and when he and when he does, he's going to receive his sight. In Acts seven or nine seventeen, it says, and Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hand on him, said, "Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared to thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight." But not just his sight. And it says, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. He didn't say, I'm just going to fix your your temporary problem of seeing sight. I'm going to fix your eternal problem, too. He says, I'm going to give you uh, your vision, but also you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. And he received sight forthwith and arose and he was baptized. This man who had so much blood literally on his hands. If you want to talk about a a checkered past, this is a person that has a checkered past. If you want to talk about someone who doesn't have a whole lot of hope of being used used by God to be a preacher and a missionary, it's going to be Saul of Tarsus, who literally has blood in his hands. But yet it says he fixed his eyesight and filled them with the Holy Ghost. Change. And baptize. Change. It's important for us to see that. Are you glad that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. No matter what you've done, we still have the ability to to experience grace right now. You have never strayed too far from God. He's always as close as a mention of his name. And when you look at at the life of Paul, you realize quickly that God can change lives. He can change lives. It doesn't matter what you've been through. Some of you guys have been through some terrible things, I'm sure of it. But what I do know here today is that if you are on a direction where you feel like you're going this way, this way, this way, and all of a sudden God says, stop, turn you around, and he's going to give you a new direction. Let me just reassure you this morning that you are on the right plan. You are on the right path if you are following after God. But no matter what your past may look like, God can still use you. He can still change your life. He can still restore you. God can absolutely do that. But it's got to take an experience with God. Amen. You have to have an experience with God. I'm not sure your exact story, but when Jesus steps into your life, change takes place. You cannot be the same when Jesus walks into your life. You cannot be the same person. You can't be the same Christian. You can't be the same uh, Joe Schmo on the side of the road doing whatever you're doing. I'm here to tell you, when Jesus walks into your life, you are thinking you are going this way. You're you have a career. You got a plan. You got a path. But also, God says, "Stop for a second. I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you the Holy Ghost, and you're going to be baptized in Jesus' name." And I'm here to tell you right now, change can take place. You don't got to wait till next week. You don't got to wait till next year. But today can be the day where you receive change and not just temporary change but eternal change when he gives you the holy ghost by the infilling of the holy ghost in your body you start speaking a language that you have no idea about that's called the holy ghost I know Pastor Zach has preached this and talked about the Holy Ghost before, but let me just tell you, as a person who has the Holy Ghost, I don't know how people can go through life without experiencing the Holy Ghost in their life. It is power inside of your body, the Bible says. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, there is power, the Bible says it gives you. Amen. If you don't have the Holy Ghost today, you can receive the Holy Ghost. You don't got to wait till a, a certain day or whatever it might be. I'm telling you, there is Jesus Christ is here today. He is here today for the five people that were baptized in Jesus name. I rejoice with them as a preacher, as a minister of this gospel. I tell you what, I never get sick and tired of baptisms, seeing people's lives going down into that, what they call the watery grave. And they come back up a new life, a new creature, a new creature in Christ. And all things are passed away. All the sin is gone. All the corruption is gone. All the death is gone. And all of a sudden you become a new creature. He gives you a new life. And so I'm going to encourage you today, if you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, don't wait. Don't wait. It's the greatest thing. One of the greatest things you can do with your life saying, God, I'm ready to commit. God, I'm ready to to submit my life. God, I'm ready for this. I was nine years old when I got baptized in Jesus' name. Now, I, I can assure you this. I didn't have a whole lot of crazy sin in my life at nine years old. I can still remember the experience of going down and now it I didn't get baptized in a hot tub with lights. I'll tell you that much. I got baptized in a horse trough and cold water and spiders everywhere. But I remember as a young person, I went to one of our we, their camps that where kids go to we, that we have. And I remember I got filled with the Holy Ghost at nine years old. And I remember I was so thankful to God. And I was praying. And of course, uh, he filled me with the Holy Ghost. And I, I went home. And we got baptized. And I, I can still remember this day. I can still remember when I got baptized. Now I can assure you this, I was not a perfect person at nine. I can tell you right now, if I'm 28, 20, 30, whatever, I got a lot more sin to deal with. But whether you got baptized when you understood the truth at 10 years old, nine years old, or you're 58, 100, 150, his grace is sufficient. There's nothing that that's too hard for God to erase. And that's the one thing we got to understand today. He erases your past. He doesn't just say, I'm going to put it, you know, in the corner here and say, okay, I'll pull this out when I got to have a card against this person. He erases your past. He erases every sin, every failure. He erases everything. And so I want to encourage you, if you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, talk to Pastor Zach. Get baptized in his name. It's one of the greatest things you can do in your life, not because it's just a physical act, but because there is an eternal solution that's taking place. He is wiping away every sin. He's wiping away everything from your life, and you are a new creature. When Jesus steps into your life, you literally can't be the same. I mentioned to you just a few moments ago that I was nine years old when I received the gift of the Holy Ghost, and I was baptized in Jesus' name. I do not come from a family of ministers. In fact, I'm the first generation, the first minister out of my entire family. My family did go to church. They did receive truth when they were, my parents, when they were uh, younger, married. And so they, they brought their children to church. If you're a parent in here, bring your children to church. If I have four young children. I bring them to everywhere we go when it comes to church at, our, at a local home church. And just bring your children to church. It'll change their life. I was talking to Pastor Zach. I think last night, I just made a comment on how when children, are in the, when children are in the church, there's life in the church. There's a future. It doesn't stop. When you have generation after generation, I can tell you it's tough. It's tough to bring your kids to church every single Sunday and at your Bible study. It's, it's tough to bring them, but bring them. They're learning. They're seeing. They're watching things take place in this room that will change their life forever. And so I don't come from a family, uh, just long line of ministers. Like I said, I'm the first minister from my family. And so I'm not going to go into crazy detail. But unfortunately, when I was 15 or 16, my parents got a divorce. And uh, unfortunately, in our culture and society, things have happened. And, uh, you know, divorce is rampant right now. And it was back then, too, of course. But so my parents got divorced at 16. My two older brothers, they were out of the house already. And so unfortunately, I was the person who was the middleman at all times, which was not very fun. But I remember this thing. I got baptized at nine, filled the Holy Ghost at nine. Next thing you know, I'm 15, 16 years old. My parents get divorced. And I remember I was like, what is going on? There was so much anger inside my body. There was so much anger in my mind and my soul. And I I was so just tired of it. And of course, I was doing what, again, a lot of people do, unfortunately. They walk into churches acting like their whole life is perfect. They walk into church. I walked into church. I'm not going to say they. I'll talk about myself. I walked in the church at 16 years old and I was like, oh, yeah, I had my suit and tie on and I'm, I'm doing good. I had elders in my life who were saying, hey, John, how are things going? Because, of course, they knew my parents were getting divorced and things were messy. And I'd always tell them, hey, doing great. I'm fine. I'm perfect. Don't sweat it. I got this, you know. But unfortunately, again, I was 16 years old. I was living a life which is it was so contradictory. I was sinning like crazy. I was doing things I'm not proud of. And, and I remember I'd go to the altar at churches and I'd be, oh, I'm raising my hands. And God, you, you, you can change my life. You can do all, all this stuff. It was great. And people saw them. and They said, oh, John must be doing good. But again, I was doing terrible. I had no spiritual walk with God. And I was just dying on the inside. And I remember I was 16 years old. I went to a youth camp up in the cities. And I remember I was in the altars and I was praying. I was worshiping God. And I, all of a sudden I, I felt the call of God for me to preach the gospel. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Don't you see what I did last week? Like, what are you talking about, God? This is crazy. I don't have a single person in my family who's a minister. There's no way that me preach. And I remember I I just, I mean, I felt the Holy Ghost and it was so strong. And so I walked out of that youth camp saying, I'm going to preach the gospel. And I thank God for that. I went home and I hugged my pastor and told my pastor, and he was so excited. We were so grateful. Unfortunately, in the, in, the, in the situation, I'm going to preface by saying I love my parents to death. They were going through a very tough time, and I'm not holding nothing against them. So I'm sharing my testimony today. But I remember when I told my parents, they weren't all that enthusiastic about me becoming a preacher. And I, I met some opposition and, and it's life. It's what it is. You can't do nothing about it. And I remember I was so hurt by that. I was so devastated by that. And, and so I I started pursuing my call to preach and I was like, I was reading the Bible, studying, doing all this stuff. And I, I felt in my spirit saying, okay, John, it's time to give up one of the other things you love. Unfortunately, at that time I played high school football and I loved football to pieces. It was one of the greatest things in the world. And so Unfortunately, and not unfortunately, very fortunately, I gave up football and again, I'm 16 years old. So I'm actually, I'm going, I wasn't going to the pros. just So we're clear. I was not going to the pros. I was going to finish my senior year and be done. But anyways, I remember I, I gave up football and I started focusing on my ministry and I'm focusing on what God had, had for me. But I'm going to tell you right now, I went through some of the hardest times of my life from 16 to 18. When God called me at 16, I realized that I, this is great. But I went through one of the hardest times of my life for two years as a young person trying to seek after the call of God. I can tell you right now the enemy was fighting against me. He was fighting against my future. He was fighting against so many things. I know that now. I'm looking back at it and I can see that he was trying to stop the call of God in my life. But let me just tell you right now, I made up my mind. I said, God, I don't care what happens to me. I don't care what happens to my family right now. I'm going to seek after what you have. And so I'm going to assure someone here today that no matter what your family may think about it, walk in victory, walk after Jesus, seek after what God has. He has a plan for you. No matter matter what opposition it may come, it may come as family, it may come as friends, it may become as co-workers. But let me just tell you right now, you got to make up in your mind to day saying, I'm going to live for God no matter what. I don't care what opposition comes my way. I know Jesus walked into my life and my life is forever changed and I cannot stop preaching this gospel. So I don't know where you stand today, but let me just tell you right now, Jesus is still changing lives. Jesus is still giving futures. He is still helping people today to change their life and turn their story around because God still loves you so much. I'm going to share one more testimony. I'm going to move on. I'll, I'll, we'll be done. My wife, my lovely wife, we've been married for almost 10 years coming up here next month or two months from now. And I'm so thankful for my wife. But so I, I'm a first generation preacher inside my family. And so I'm so thankful, so thankful for that. Her family, she comes from a very rough background, uh, very rough background. And so uh, her, her grandparents were addicts, her parents were addicts, her siblings were addicts, and she was an addict. You're talking everything you could find, every kind of drug you could find. My wife was on. it. Again, if you look at her today, you'd have no idea. When I talk about that, that Suji type thing, <laughs> look at my wife. When God can fix things, he can fix broken lives. He can turn lives around. My wife is an example of that. Now, I was a church boy. I didn't do that. I didn't do that much stuff wrong. But unfortunately, my wife, she comes from a very different, <laughs> I threw that in there. I wish, I wish she was here. She would laugh at me. But um, but I will say this about my wife. I love her to death. It was the grace of God that changed her life. It wasn't, you can't, when you talk about the miraculous, you talk about my wife. About her family. Her grandparents were addicts. Her parents, her siblings, everyone was. The first time she tried meth was at nine years old. And again, when you realize that the, the life she was living. The, 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 not the culture, the, the environment she was living. You can assume at nine years old the environment she was around. Huh. She was nine years old the first time she tried meth. She started drinking at 19 and was, and was using hard drugs at the age of 20. From 19 years old to 25, she used anything and everything on a daily basis. Every drug you could find, every, every bit of alcohol she could find. By the time she was 24, she had been arrested after the house, and and she was staying. uh, She had been arrested at the house she was staying at because it had been raided by the cops. You realize that she was doing alcohol, cocaine, heroin, meth, mushrooms, ecstasy, marijuana, and the list goes on and on and on. You realize quickly when you when you're in an environment like that, you're talking about death. You're talking about there's no hope. There's nothing you can do. She was taking these drugs on a daily basis from 19 to 25 for six six years straight. She got invited to her sister's wedding here in Minnesota. She was only supposed to be here for two weeks. She was going to come up here for her sister's wedding and leave and go back to Arizona. She's from Arizona. She was was introduced to Jesus through church services and a home Bible study when she came up here. She happened to stumble upon the church that I'm from in Mankato. And she happened to, to visit Jesus one Sunday. Keep in mind, she was still an addict. Keep in mind, she had to use every single day. She was in Mankato. She was still doing these things. She was introduced to Jesus at 25 years old. And next thing you know, she decided to stay in Minnesota. She didn't want to go back to her old life because she knew what was going to happen if she went back to her old life. So she stays in Minnesota. She starts getting a Bible study. She, she, she starts going to church more reg, on the regular. The same day, all of a sudden, you, you, you fast forward a little bit of time. She had been doing, been doing a Bible study. She received the revelation of Jesus' name, baptism. And she got baptized in Jesus' name. And so when I tell you when she got baptized, she was a broken individual. I'm, I'm understating that. When I tell you she got baptized in Jesus' name, it was not because... She thought that she was just going to be okay and come up and whatever. But her life changed immediately. And when I say immediately, I'm telling you, when she got done being baptized, she went back home, she grabbed some alcohol, and she tried drinking again. She tried drinking one more time, and she had just been baptized in Jesus' name. Mistakes happen. She grabs his alcohol and she starts taking a drink and she felt felt no desire to drink any longer. She took every bottle of alcohol out of her fridge, out of their house and started dumping it down the drink. And she said, I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm a new creature in Christ. All things are behind me. I know what I did yesterday. I know what I did last year, but I'm a new creature in Christ. And so she starts dumping the alcohol out. Keep in mind, she had been addicted to every bit of type of drug, it seems like, for six years. I've never been an addict before, so I'm not speaking from experience. I'm talking from what I've talked to my wife about. It's not very common for you to put away ecstasy and meth and marijuana and overnight. She threw away everything she could find, everything, every bit of meth, every bit, all that stuff. She threw all that stuff away and she never used. Again, after the day she got baptized in Jesus' name, she never used one more time. Because I'm telling you right now, we talked about Peter. We talked about Paul. We talked about all these people. But I'm telling you right now, God is still changing lives in 2021. God is still changing lives. I don't know where you've been. I don't know where you go. But I'm here to tell you right now, God can change your life. He can really... I feel the Holy Ghost right now. and I'm here to tell someone this morning, this afternoon, that God can change your life. I don't care what your story's been, but you got to get to a point where you're saying, I'm sick and tired of being that person. I'm ready to walk in destiny. I'm ready to walk in victory. <laughs> I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, this afternoon. I'm probably going to say it all day. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but you got to find the hem of Jesus, as they say in Luke. The story of the lady of the issue of blood for 12 years. You got to get to a point where you're sick of your situation and you're ready for change to take place in your life. You got to get to the point where you say, I'm going to press through the crowds. I'm going to press through my family, my opposition, my coworkers, my all these people. I'm going to find Jesus. And when you find Jesus, you touch the hem of his garment. You find Jesus. You touch the hem. I'm not saying you give him a bear hug. You give him one touch of your finger on his garment. And he says, where do I? He says, stop. What just happened? Virtue left my body. Who just touched my hair? Who touched my garment? And it's this lady with an issue of blood for 12 years. She dealt with this on uh, on an everyday basis. She went to physician after physician. She gave everything she could, but it was just one touch of Jesus. And her life changed. You don't need to get a whole lot of Jesus to change your life. You need one touch from Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. If you don't mind, just raising your hand where you're at. I feel the Holy Ghost sweeping in this into the sanctuary right now. I feel liberty flowing right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now you move in this place. I pray right now, God, you lift up our faith. I pray right now, Lord, against the, the lies of the enemy who is speaking death, who is speaking hurt and pain upon every one of these people here today. God, I believe. Come on, lift up your voices right now. This is all right. I feel the Holy Ghost sweeping right now. In the name of Jesus, have your way right now. Oh, God, I'm ready to change my life i'm ready to push a little bit longer i'm ready to push a little bit further god oh hallelujah 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 Jesus. that's all right let's linger here for a second i I don't feel released to move but i have one more thing to say but i'm telling you right now god is here oh we can cast our cares right now upon him Oh, hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know where you stand today, but this could be your day. I don't know where you are standing in your life. I don't know what testimony, what trials, what things have gone in your life. But I know there's hurt. I felt it strong. we were here at prayer last night. I felt it so strongly in prayer that there are people here today who are in bondage. Who have tried to cut things out of their life. They have tried to cut things. But I'm here to tell you we serve a God that can change lives. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong right now. He's going to change lives. I don't know necessarily the custom you guys do for altar calls. But in my church, we take steps of faith usually have a hanky, but I don't have a hanky here today. But we take steps of faith in our church. I don't know what you've been through, but I feel brokenness right now. I feel brokenness in this room. You've been trying to fix this by yourself, but you're not fixing it. There's brokenness in this room today. It looks like fine china strewn on the floor. And God has been trying to pick up piece after piece. He's been trying to pick up piece after piece of your life. He's been trying to restore marriages. And we keep trying to do it by ourselves. We keep trying to get the duct tape, so to speak. And we try to do it all by ourselves. We we try to put that vessel back together. We're trying to make it perfect. We're trying to make it right, but we're marred. And God is not telling us to pick up our own pieces. God is not telling us to pick up our own pieces. He is saying, let me pick up your life. Let me pick up your brokenness right now. Let me pick up your marriage. Let me restore you right now. But we got to submit ourselves. Brother Zach, can you put on a song or whatever you, whatever you do? I'm gonna, I feel led by God to kind of orchestrate this last few minutes here. So I don't know where we are. But in prayer last night, I felt heavy brokenness in this room. And it's not because you're a bad person. It's because life happens to everyone. Life happens to everyone. I just felt that we've been trying to do it on our own so many times. We've been trying to change our own life so many times. We've been trying to change our own destiny so many times. And But I'm here to tell you today that God sent a young preacher from Mankato to come to Detroit Lakes today. It was not by mistake that you heard this word today. It was not by mistake one bit that he gave me this word to hear today. But I'm telling you right now, life can change for you. You do not need a lot of time in the presence of God. You need one second in the presence of God. If you can stand with me right now. And so what we're going to do, I want you to raise your hand all across this sanctuary today. I want you to raise your hand and start talking to God for yourself. I'm going to make a call in a few minutes, but I want you to start talking to God yourself. I feel very led in the Holy Ghost today that God is trying to change lives. He's ready for you to just give it to him and start fixing your brokenness. He's ready to give it. Hold on. Lift up your voices right now. We are not a defeated people. God's love is here right now. Don't you dare run from this. You've been trying to run from the Holy Ghost too many times. You've been running from God too many times. I feel life changing happening. I feel life changing. That's it. Lift up your voice right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. It's time to cast all of our cares to God. Oh, come on. That's it. That's it. Let the tears flow. That's okay. You don't got to stop that. Let the tears flow right now. You got to show God you're ready to change your life. That's it. Don't stop. You've been to this point before, you've raised your hands here before, but God is trying to get you to move a little bit further. That's it. Come on. That's it. It's not by mistake you're doing this right now. God is getting ready to change lives. <laughs> That's it, come on, I feel it. I feel the breakthrough gonna take place in this in this sanctuary today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it, that's it, that's it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh God, I'm broken today. i have tried fixing it, myself. God, I'm going to give it to you right now. I'm going to give it to you right now. Oh I'm going to give you my marriage. I'm going to give you everything. Restore the things that are broken right now. In the name of Jesus. 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 Come on, that's it. Keep on praying. This is good. I feel a breakthrough taking place right now. I feel a breakthrough taking place here today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Pastor Zach, Sister Ashley's going to kind of walk around. They're going to start praying for some of you today. But I want every single hand raised if you're all right with it. Every single hand raised, every eye closed. What I do in Mankato, we do a simple thing. It's an act of faith where we say, if you're ready to get your life changed by God, I want you to take a step of faith and come forward to this altar area. I know it's going to be tight. It may be uncomfortable. You you might have to push by some people. But if you're ready for life-changing power to take place, I want you to just get out of your seat today. You may have never done it before, but it's time. Come on, that's it. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am, for coming. I believe God's going to meet us here right now. Come on, don't hesitate. I know it's going to get crowded, but I want to see this. I feel it in my spirit right now. I feel In the name of Jesus. Come on, make your way forward. That's all right. Thank you. This is good. Let the tears flow right now. This is okay. Oh, God is getting ready to restore the things that have been broken. In the name of Jesus.